What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show sponsored by DirecTV Stream. I am your host, RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching wherever it is that you are watching. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. If you are a fan of the show, please go give that a follow. And if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, hit that like button and that subscribe button as we're pushing toward 100,000 subscribers on the channel, which is awesome for your boy. But today, we have to talk about the five guys that we need to consider when talking about the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. We need to talk about Spencer Rattler and company joining Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Shout out Javion. And our best from my favorite segment, your favorite segment, Money in the Bag. Let's go. It's the number one ranked show. All right, so let's start with the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. And briefly, my man Eddie Robinson, born February 2nd, 1919. That's the year of Red Summer. Coach Grambling for the better part of a half century. Nine black college national championships, 17 SWAC titles, and quite literally, right, the progenitor, the godfather of black college football. And I think it's awesome that this award is named for him. Shout out to Hugh Jackson who became the new head coach at Grambling just last week. And maybe one day might be in the running to win this said insaneed award. Now, let's start with the dudes that I got listed. This is my top five, which should be your top five, because this has been a banner year for college football coaches. And at number five, got to go with my man, Michigan State's own Mel Tucker. All right, so here it is, right? The text here is, he lost as many this year as he won all of last year. And it gets better than that for me. At Colorado, Mel Tucker was 5-7. and seven, And then he goes 2-5, and five, 2020 Michigan State. And then all of a sudden flipped it totally on its head with a 10-2 and two season. And his only losses are to the two best teams, according to me, in the Big Ten, Ohio State, and, of course, Michigan, who won the Big Ten championship game. We'll talk about them in a little bit more. But it's not just that Mel Tucker was able to flip Michigan State into a 10-win program. It's that my man got the bag for his efforts. 10 years, $95 million. My tip of the cap to you, sir. But also took on a Wake Forest tailback named Kenneth Walker III and turned him into what should have been a Heisman finalist. We were talking about Kenneth Walker III for it felt like 12 of these 15 weeks of college football because he was just that good. He was averaging over 147 yards on the ground. He was pushing toward not just being the best Michigan State tailback in five years going back to Jeremy Langdon, but since Javon Ringer back when I was in college and Javon Ringer was laying the smack it down like my man the rock. Can you smell what Kenneth Walker III is? Cooking. Look at this, man. I'm about to cut a promo on the rest of these coaches because of what Mel Tucker was able to do. And it's doing that with what we thought was the second best quarterback in Michigan State last year in Peyton Thorne. Then he showed up and actually was outplaying Rocky Lombardi, who, by the way, transferred to NIU and won a MAC championship with Thomas Hammock, right? That's not too shabby. You also got to take into account here just how loaded their schedule seemed to be because 
if you take a look at who they had to play in the Big Ten, we can make an argument that the Big Ten was the toughest conference to play football in all year this year. Also, shout out to Mel Tucker, who I did this match just yesterday. Been a head coach for three seasons. He won 10 games this year. He won a total of 12 before this season. And he is the dude for which made all these bets on the transfer portal that actually paid off, right? Was able to turn Jalen Naylor into a dude that you know. Went and got Scotty Hazleton from Kansas State, who was at North Dakota State to coach his defense. It wasn't that great on the back end, but it's good enough to win 10 games, even if they lost two during the regular season. Hello. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them play in this postseason. Okay, number four. We got to go with your mans at what some folks call that team up north of what we going to call Michigan, Jim Harbaugh. Holy smokes, man. All right, so last year, we all but thought Jim Harbaugh was A, going to get fired, or B, just going to take a job in the NFL because it just wasn't working out in Michigan, baby. It just wasn't working out. But you can see it. the headline here is Novocaine. Give him time, and it will work. And I can say that now because it has worked because – by the graces of all things, my man went out there and got a Big Ten championship game en route to throttling Ohio State at the big house in what was frigid temperatures and quite literally built for a Jim Harbaugh type of performance where we're going to run the ball, we're going to play defense. But when I say give him time and it'll work, take a look at San Diego. Why do y'all don't know nothing about San Diego? Because why would you? It's an FCS team in the Pioneer League which doesn't do scholarships, but all they would do is win the conference. Excuse me. Yes, the conference every single year, and then they get to the FCS playoffs and get bounced in the second round or whatever because, well, you need scholarship football players to win in a scholarship sport. And I shout out to the Pioneer League, shout out to Drake, you know, the like, for doing what you do, but it's, it's real difficult to try to win football games without Jimmy's to beat their Joes, and yet that's what my man did. And then he goes to Stanford and totally gives them back their pride. He made us talk about the treat, Okay. He made us talk about Andrew Luck and them at Stanford. Okay, I would think that it's a little bit more difficult to recruit to a place like Stanford than Notre Dame. If for no other reason than we know Notre Dame for like the better part of a century and a quarter. We know Newt Rockney. We know the Gipper. We know Ronald Reagan playing him in movies. We know Rudy as much as we probably shouldn't know Rudy, but we know Rudy. You know, we also know uh, Arnez Battle. Carlisle Holiday, you see what I'm saying here? We need some dudes out there. But we didn't know much of anything about Stanford. I mean, it was like John Elway in parts. And yet, and still, we get Jim Harbaugh showed up there, did the doggone thing, and now is becoming the first coach in history to be NFL head coach in the Super Bowl and a college football head coach in the college football playoff. I don't care that the playoffs only been around for eight years. We could have gone a very long time without that ever happening. And here Jim Harbaugh is doing it. And my man showed up at the Heisman finalist or Heisman ceremony where Aiden Hutchinson was a Heisman finalist. By the way, Jim Harbaugh was so good as a quarterback in Michigan, he finished third in the Heisman voting. People forget that, right? Because all we're doing is talking about man in his khakis. But also gave shine to Hassan Haskins, which I keep doing this, but I'm going to harken back to it again. At the Big Ten, what was it, media days, right? I got to sit down with Jim Harbaugh and ask him about his favorite song, among other things. But I also got to ask him, you know, what he thought about Hassan Haskins, who he brought with him, who... Didn't have as much to say as a Josh Ross or Aiden Hutchinson when we were interviewing them. But he told me that Hassan Haskins is one of his favorite football players, like, ever. And that stuck with me because when it came to push to shove, it wasn't Blake Quorum out there. It wasn't Donovan Edwards out there. It was Hassan Haskins who they handed the rock when everybody knew they were going to run the football and went and got them five, seven when they needed three and four. 
it's like that up there at Ann Arbor right now. And they're having a very good time, and they should, right? They're about to play in the college football playoff in a game that I think suits Georgia just because there's no Bryce Young over there at Michigan. And that's also to make the point even further that Jim Harbaugh was able to do this without what we think of as an outstanding Heisman finalist caliber quarterback, even if J.J. McCarthy probably should get more run. And shout out to my man Dax Hill, you know, right here in T-Town, like Charlie Wilson. My man showing up in the college football playoff. Book it to you on. I like it. Book it to you on. All right. So at number three, after Jim Harbaugh, after Mel Tucker, we got Nick Saban. Okay. Now, the flavor here is not once did he have to stop the count. All right. Pardon me if I laugh at my own joke because it's got layers, and that's where we're going to leave it. But I look at Nick Saban the way that I might look at a Charlie Wilson, quite honestly, because Charlie Wilson gave us the G-Funk, and the G-Funk comes out of Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, and you understand what Nate Dogg was talking about and Master P at No Limit Studios in Louisiana, okay? What I'm saying is he keeps putting out hitters even when we're not expecting him to put out hitters because of all seasons for us to be like, I don't know about Nick Saban this year, dog. They look shaky. They don't look dominant. I said it. You heard me say it. You got played close by a bad Florida team. Florida team so bad they fired their head coach. Okay? Then you lost to Texas A&M with a backup quarterback starting. Okay? Giving up kick returns, touchdowns. All right? Then you get into the SEC championship game against a team in Georgia who has a generationally good defense. Don't let the SEC championship game fool you, baby. They're good. They hadn't been giving up more than seven all year. And then... With a new starting quarterback and a brand new offensive coordinator, Nick Saban said, I'm about to put 41 on Georgia's skull, fam. I'm about to drop a hammer right on their head, fam. And I'm about to run away with my SEC championship because y'all must have forgot, like, like Roy Jones Jr., the left hook to James Tony got you a sucker move I stole from a Gamecock. Y'all must have forgot. Speaking of Gamecocks, we'll get there in a little bit. But look, it's also like this. Nick Saban is 70. Turned 70 on Halloween, October 31st. Because I'm a Nick Saban, you know, file. Like, I follow the man. I, I'm very encouraged by what he's done, and I think his life is worth studying. But I say all that to say, when he was 35 years old, he was a defense coordinator at Michigan State. Two head coaches got hired last week who are 35 years old. Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman, shout out. And Dan Lanning at Oregon. Okay, that's how long Nick Saban's been in the game. And that's how long Nick Saban has been dominant in this sport. And I don't think he's won the Coach of the Year award since 2009, but it feels like every single year we can hand it to him for one reason or another. Look at the staff turnover. All they do is turn over dudes, and all he does is win championships because the entire program is built on him. Him. He brought the process to Alabama. They didn't do it like they do it now before he got there. And it has worked for 15 years. And now they are not just in the college football playoff again looking to defend their national championship. They're the number one team in it because they were able to get the best win of the season in the only game that mattered for them. That's phenomenal to me, man. I was looking at this graphic the other day, and I put it out there on the tweets, and the tweets seemed to like it. But the 2015 coaching staff still putting out gems, all right? Billy Napier, Florida head coach, wide receiver coach on that staff, okay? Lane Kiffin, offensive coordinator, <laughs> Ole Miss head coach, Okay. Kirby Smart, defensive coordinator, Georgia head coach, all right? Mario Cristobal, offensive line coach, Miami head coach, was the Oregon head coach. Dan Lenning was a GA on that staff. And right quick on the Dan Lenning bit, just to show you what it's like for Nick Saban to pick people. 
and how good he is at identifying coaching talent and raising leaders by being a great leader. My man Dan Lanning was a high school football coach in Kansas City. New staff at Pittsburgh had been hired. Ty Graham's coming from Tulsa there, bringing Keith Patterson and other, other dudes with him. But he had been to a coach's clinic with that staff. Hired, heard they got hired. Drove 13 hours up to Pittsburgh just hoping to get a meeting. Keith Patterson offered him a GA position, which was $800 a month. He took it. Okay? That was 2011. He became Arizona State run game coordinator and then left that job to be a GA again. At Alabama, you have a sitting position coach job at Arizona State, a power five in the Pac-12, and you left that to be a GA for Alabama, and that was 2015. Not only does he have a national championship ring, he's got his own program now. He's 35 years old. This is what it means if Nick Saban decides he wants to lay his hands on you, okay? That's that man's cloak right now. I'm saying, when you reach that upper level where your mind, body, and soul must be one— we might be talking about Nick Saban now. That's what it is. All right. And number two on the list, we got to talk about my mans, if not your mans, my mans, Jeff Trailer at UTSA, okay? Like Chris Cornell, you know his name. That's my favorite James Bond flick, Casino Royale against all y'all. It's, it's the best. I'm telling you. But that's the point here. Before the season began, nobody outside the state of Texas knew Jeff Trailer's name, even though Jeff Trailer has... Jeff Trailer Stadium in Gilmer, Texas, where the Buckeyes play. That's how good he was as a head coach at high school. And then he's just stacking wins, baby. Win on win on win at UTSA this year. Then they, you know, get a pop not put on the head by North Texas. So that's all right. They bounce back, and they win their first conference championship at UTSA. This program is as old as Dan Lanning's coaching career. And remember, Dan Lanning is 35 years old. Both Dan Lanning... And UTSA got started in college football in 2011. Holy smokes. And now we're talking about UTSA moving on up to the American here in just a little bit of time. And earlier this season, Jeff Trailer basically helped force a trend of 10-year agreements. Before Jeff Trailer, it was Jimbo Fisher started season, which we, you know, Texas A&M, they'd just be doing that stuff. They want to sign you know, Jimbo Fisher 10-year, $75 million because that's just how they get down. But before that, mostly you needed to have won a national championship to get a 10-year deal. I mean, when Dabo Sweeney signed one 10 years, $93 million, everybody's like, I guess that's a lot of money, though, even if you won a national championship. Now, Mario Cristobal, James Franklin, <laughs> Jimbo Fisher, Mel Tucker, <laughs> Brian Kelly. We think Lincoln Riley, though, you know, we can't verify that or anything because, you know, private schools and whatnot and FOIA requests. But— my man forced a trend by accepting a 10-year, $28 million contract, one that he said right here on the number one ranked show his agent was upset with him about. But he felt his word was convicted, right, to be at San Antonio, to recruit San Antonio, to try to build a football power at San Antonio. I don't know of any group of five coach that was able to do what he was able to do this year, which is show up two years into the game, and make everybody pay attention to what you are doing on OTT broadcasting. No, OTT means means over the top. Means we didn't put you on TV. We didn't put you on Lanier. You were basically on YouTube with me, and we care about you. That's what winning does, baby. That's what it does. They're twelve and one. They have a conference championship, and they are building towards something special. If you can't respect that, you're not respecting college football. Period. All right. 
Number one on my list and who I think should win the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle. All right. Say a lot of things about Luke Fickle. But being the only undefeated team left of 130, that's saying a bunch. I'm saying quite a bit, okay? And we're in December now when you probably should have been taking L's, okay? Now, the other part about this is a little trivia. We're going to a little white space here, just a little blank space here while I give you three seconds to actually think of the answer to this question. When was the last time, date and year, that Cincinnati lost a regular season game and to whom? Three, two, one. Memphis, November 29th, 2019. You hear what I'm saying? If it's a regular season game, good luck knocking off Cincinnati because the only L's they seem to take are in the postseason, okay, and against teams that are 100% on the OJ's tip. Can you come out and play? They took Georgia to the wire last year and then running the table this year, plus dunking on Notre Dame, the only loss Notre Dame had this year, propels them into what is a historic and I think not enough has been put on this fact. They're the first group of five team to be invited to the college football playoff semifinals. It's not a small thing. It's one your boy has been caping for for eight years, okay? There are 130 teams playing in this sport, and we act like only 65 of them matter. Cincinnati has an opportunity here against the number one team in the country to show just how good the football is outside of our power fives, our autonomous five. And we are going to have a referendum on group of five football based on how they perform because it's not about whether or not they win, although it would be amazing if they beat Alabama. It's that if they get stomped on the way they say Oklahoma got stomped on by LSU, it's going to hurt even more for them than it does Oklahoma. And you saw how they treated Oklahoma from the outset of the college football playoff rankings this year. Not to say they weren't right, but at the time, Oklahoma's undefeated. And the playoff, playoff selection committee's like, nah, we don't want Oklahoma nowhere near our quarter or, or our semifinal anymore. We just don't. They embarrass us. And that's not what you want in the semifinals. You want competitive games. You want both of those games to be meaningful, impactful, and take it into the late fourth quarter, right? You want two minutes left, be a one-score ball game. Cincinnati can do that. We're going to see more teams get into the playoff outside the group, of, uh, outside of Power Five. If they can't do that, it might be the first and only time we see a Group of Five team make the playoff, even when everything goes right for them. I also need to add in here, he lost Marcus Freeman to Notre Dame, who I had been yelling for the better part of three years, was the best coordinator nobody was talking about and then people started talking about him because they were able to run the table in the regular season 2019, gets the job at Notre Dame. He replaced Marcus Freeman with Mike Tressel. Yes, that Mike Tressel. Jim Tressel's relation. You know what I'm saying here? They keep it in-house at Ohio State. Uh, if you can be Ohio State light at Cincinnati, you're probably going to be pretty good, which is also another way of saying Ohio State is who they are, right? When, when Ohio State walks around, they might as well be Michael Beasley at the Lifetime Gym, just dunking on folks and also getting up shots, talking about, I'm him, the only one. Because that's, that's how they get down. That's how they think of themselves. But that's also how we think of Ohio State. If you can be that Cincinnati, I think that's great. I also think it's important for Group of Five football that no matter how the coaching cycle went down this year with 28 jobs changing hands, that 
he's at Cincinnati. Okay. He could have said, no, I want out. He could have said, no, I will lowball LSU so that they come get me instead of Brian Kelly. He could have done that with USC for four months. He could have been anywhere else, and he is not. Okay. He's going to be coaching Nippert Stadium next season. That's phenomenal, and I really love that. Okay. Let us, as they say, segue into some news here. Personal to me, personal to you boys. Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner announced on Tuesday night that, or excuse me, on Monday night, excuse me, this is Tuesday when we're taping this, on Monday night that they are transferring to the University of South Carolina, for which we get all sorts of jokes, but I'm not into that, right? I'm into, this is awesome, okay? This is a great landing spot. Because, number one, Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner are very familiar with Shane Beamer because Shane Beamer was the head offensive assistant at Oklahoma before taking the job at South Carolina. What's a head offensive assistant? Beats the hell out of me. But he did also coach the tight ends and fullbacks at Oklahoma, which means that he was coaching Austin Stogner. That was his position coach. That one made a lot of sense to me. The one that I think threw me, even if it didn't throw everybody else, with Spencer Rattler to USC because there was even some scuttle of Spencer Rattler to USC. See what I'm saying there? Okay. Now, there was also UCLA in the mix there for a little while. And then Dylan Gabriel kind of announced that he wanted to go there too. So I was going to be interested to see how that was going to go. But Chip Kelly still got a lot of dudes to pull from. But Shane Beamer coming in their swoop and get Spencer Rattler, I thought was a great fit for both. One, Beamer is beloved by his players. Okay. Every last one of those dudes that I spoke to want to lay down in traffic for Shane Beamer, okay? There was a very loud yell to bring him home to South Carolina after having been an assistant there before when that job came open when they fired Will Muschamp. Now, the other part about this I found to be really cool is South Carolina took a grad assistant off the shelf in Zeb Nolan, whose claim to fame at one point was going for like 300, 400, 300 against Oklahoma at Iowa State and having been quarterback for like two seconds at North Dakota State during the spring, then became GA South Carolina. Luke Doty goes down, and then they have to replace, I think, the 25th highest recruit ever at South Carolina in Luke Doty with a GA in Zeb Nolan. And they rode that to 6-6, six and six, which means my man Javion fell one win short of winning the bet that was made on his show of South Carolina getting the 7. Now, I'm a collect, but I also need to say, your boy was sweating. Your boy was sweating because they knocked off not just Florida, who ended up not being very good, but Auburn, who had taken Alabama to the wire in OT. Matter of fact, shout out to Miss Terry, who was just all sorts of excited to see her husband in the hallway after that. Love that. Miss Terry, who said famously, see? <laughs> Actually, I got to back up on this one because I got to tell this one. This is I'm just a segue right quick. We got to do it. All right. So Nick Saban and Miss Terry, his wife, are in West Virginia. And they're driving through his hometown, right, where his father, Nick, used to own a gas station, where Nick Saban used to work at the gas station. He was Big Nick. Nick Saban was Little Nick. Okay. So find out the gas station is owned by somebody else. At this time, Nick Saban is who he is at Alabama. And he points to the gas station and says, see if you married that dude, who also is the boyfriend or former boyfriend of Miss Terry, who owns the gas station, you'd be running the gas station with him. You'd be working at the gas station. See? See what I did? See what I saved you from? Because we men, we like to think that we big and we bad and we did everything. Miss, Miss Terry didn't miss a beat. She uh, launched an expletive, which uh, Brian said bull and spit, and said, 
Bull Spit, I would be, <laughs> sorry, he would be the head coach in Alabama. I love that story. I love that story so much. It's because I, I got a I got a special thing right here for coaches' wives because they're doing all the work that nobody talks about because all coaches got to do is get up and go coach football. Ask, ask a football coach who Penny Mac is, okay? And if they tell you something about the Beatles, you know they don't know what they're talking about, okay? Ask them who Fanny Mac is, okay? If they tell you it's an old girlfriend, they don't know what they're talking about. Point here being, I'm here for Shane Beamer, and I'm here for Spencer Rattler, and I'm here for Austin Stogner because that feels like a fun football team. It feels like a football team everybody can root for. It feels like a football team everybody wants to succeed. And they got some really great games on the schedule this year, okay? They get Clemson, which, you know, for the Palmetto State Championship. They also play South Carolina State. Shout out to them for giving an HBCU football team an opportunity to make a little bit of money, but also keep it in state. They, they play Arkansas, which is going to be so much fun, which is one of the few SEC teams that's not going to see a quarterback change. But I'm so excited for what Spencer gets to have, which is an SEC experience in the SEC East, where the challenger, obviously for me right now, has to be them to Georgia because – Florida's going to be mostly building from jump. But also, because you get to play Missouri. You know, that, that's a Big 12 school to me, still. You get to play Texas A&M, which, if you can go get one over the top on them, every Oklahoma fan is also going to love you for that. This is an easy team for OU fans, for Big 12 fans to root for. But also, it's a great redemption story for a kid that was a star when he got recruited. Going back to 2017, Lincoln Riley's first commitment, and this is a trivia most people would miss, is not Spencer Rattler, it's Austin Stogner. Okay? Second commitment, Spencer Rattler. And that 2019 class was the one for which I thought a national championship roster would be built on for this year. Didn't happen, for all the reasons that you know. But all those dudes are mostly to the win, right? Trajan Bridges got into trouble off the team. Okay? Theo Weiss is in the transfer portal. Jaden Hazelwood transferred to Arkansas. Austin Stogner and Spencer Rattler, they're at South Carolina. EJ and Doma O'Gars at Mizzou. It just didn't work out. But he took hits on the head for what this program ended up being in 2021. He's the only quarterback that Lincoln Riley has ever benched, like really benched. And he, he held that. Even after being 15-2 as a starter, even after winning the Cotton Bowl, even after winning a Big 12 championship, he watched a younger quarterback, take his job, be beloved by you and I, and held it together. He didn't go vent. He didn't yell and scream. He asked for a couple of days, like you or I might need a couple of days. We've been fired, because that's essentially how it feels. And then he came back to work. Now he's found a landing spot where I hope Shane Beamer is in a position to love him and where he becomes the first five-star quarterback out of high school ever to lace up for South Carolina. Okay? That would make him... One of the top six, I believe, six or seven recruits in South Carolina history had he done this out of high school. And for a dude that came out of Pinnacle, who had the lights on him quite literally, Netflix's uh, QB Beyond the Lights, who was the only five-star at a time when most people said there weren't any, and what we think of as a not-so-good quarterback class that he was supposed to be a part of in this 2022 NFL draft class, he's going to give it another go. He's going to try to make, uh, make, a, make this work. And have a good time. And he's got his partner in crime, a six foot six, two hundred fifty pound target in Austin Stogner, to do that with. Gamecock fans, be excited, man! I, this is Spencer's personal to me. 
uh, when I just got started doing the show, like before I knew what I was doing, Spencer was kind enough to talk to me, uh, who he didn't really know, and I didn't really know, um, in his car in high school, right? And this is back when I just had a podcast. It wasn't like on YouTube or anything. And I have done nothing but been impressed by how he has performed and how he has managed to be himself and what he has been through and put himself through, quite honestly. He, he made some trouble for himself. But he didn't back down, and he was never a coward about it. And that means the world to me. Being loyal, being brave. They're not as common traits as you might think they are. But Spencer Rattler is both. All right. Now, for the moment you have all been waiting for, my favorite segment, a segment that was invented right here on the number one ranked show, a segment we love when teams can give us an opportunity to do it, it is called Money in the Bag. Put the shimmy in the shag. Look, let's run through them. Here's our top five Money in the Bag segments. It's not that Northern Illinois beat Georgia Tech 22-21 to in Atlanta. It's that Georgia Tech paid for the privilege. Georgia putting money in the bag at million dollars. It's not just that Illinois lost to UTSA. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi because you ugly. Yeah, yeah, you ugly. Or that was the loss, 37-30. In Champaign, it's also that Illinois paid over a million dollars for the privilege. Illinois put the money in the bag. It's not just that Western Michigan beat Pittsburgh 44-41 in front of 40,000-plus Steel City acolytes. It's that Pitt paid $300,000 for the privilege. Western Michigan, a G5, taking flight, banging on Pittsburgh, a P5. Good Lord, great googly moogly and man alive. The win on the road at hallowed Hines Field was WMU coach Tim Lester's first win against a Power 5 opponent in five years of running the ponies. The Panther defense got worked like a Wakandan crown prince in a ritual challenge for the throne. They gave up 516 yards of offense, including 22 with 34 for 323 pass yards from Bronco QB Caleb Ellaby. Pitt, you been had. I said you been took. You've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. This is what he does. WMU put the shimmy in the shag. Pittsburgh put the money in the bag. It's not just that Fresno State beat number 13 UCLA in Pasadena, 40-37. It's that UCLA. Paid $1.1 million for the privilege. UCLA, U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi because it's ugly. Yeah, yeah, this ugly. Number 13, UCLA was the highest ranked team Fresno State has defeated since beating number 13, Kansas State, in Manhattan, September 12, 2004. But it gets worse. 
for the LA Bears. Fresno State has beaten UCLA four times in a row. 2003, 2008, 2018, 2021. Look at those years. Hang them like banners. In 2018, Fresno State emptied UCLA's pockets for $650,000 after whipping them 38 to 14. And to get the cool $1.1 million out of Hollywood in 2021 after a plague year? It's like the dogs know whose pockets stay full of lunch money and aim to relieve you of the burden. Westwood, I said you've been had. I said you've been took. You've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. This is what he does. Fresno State, put the shimmy in the shag. UCLA, put the money in the bag. It's not just that Bowling Green beat Minnesota 14-10 at Huntington Bank Stadium. It's that Minnesota paid $1.45 million for the privilege. Means the BGs knock-knock and stuck up Minnesota at the place of business that they call the bank. Walked in the Gringotts, came out with the bag of gold, got galleons like gangsters got gats, strutted through Diagon Alley like a Death Eater with a snake fetish. What's a goon to a goblin has quadruple meaning now. The BGs win against the Gophers, snapped Minnesota's 21-game winning streak against non-conference opponents. That was the longest active such streak in the country. And now it is graveyard dead. And as I prefer to say, though, the BGs made sure the Gopher streak is not staying alive. You get it, BGs staying alive? I thought it was funny. USA Today reports the not Sam Wilson Falcons signed a two-game contract with the Gophers. Means come 2025, the BGs might kick in Goldie to go for two front teeth and empty his pockets for another cool $1.5 million prior to the win this season. The BGs lost to producer Cats, Tennessee Volunteers, 38 to 6. Lost to directional Alabama. 22 to 19 and lost to Murray State, which ain't one, 27 to 10. Means the BGs just nailed their first Big Ten pelt to the wall since the Obama administration when they whooped Purdue and Maryland on the road in 2015. Means Minnesota suffered its first loss to a non conference opponent ever in the PJ Fleck era and the program's first. Non-conference loss since losing to Texas Christian on September 23rd, 2015. How long ago was that? At the time, the Horn Frogs were the number two ranked team in the entire country. What I'm saying is Minnesota, you've been had. I said you've been took. I said you've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. This is what he does. Bowling Green, put the shimmy in the shag.
Minnesota. Put the money in the bag. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. Thank you to our sponsor, Direct TV Stream. Our intrepid producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. That is Tyler Wojak over there on the ones and twos. And we will see you next week right here on Wednesday on the YouTubes. And, of course, you can get the podcast if you type to stay up overnight to listen to the show. That's it for me. Deuces. <laughs>